Kongs, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake, joined once again by my loyal co-host, Dan. At long last, how's it going? Well, uh, you know, I might not be able to make a coherent thought today because of a new baby being in the house and waking up about, you know, sleeping six hours a night is great. Sleeping six hours a night in two-hour chunks, not as good. Understandable. Well, uh, I thank you for making some time into your day somehow to get this recording in. I know all the loyal listeners back home uh, thank you as well. It wasn't it wasn't the same without you, that's for sure. It wasn't, but it was still pretty good, unfortunately. I kind of felt bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am replaceable. Watch your back, Alex. Watch your back. <laughs> that's just because Alex is so good. I think I'm the replaceable one. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, anyway, um, let's get right back into the swing of things. In this episode, we'll be doing... Uh, covering spoilers for the new Worlds Collide set. The way we'll do it is each of us are going to pick one card from each house uh, that we can talk about, evaluate, and say why it is or isn't exciting. Uh, So if you're someone who is avoiding spoilers, you're probably going to want to skip that main topic. Uh, But before we get into that, let's do our weekly inspiration. whose turn is it i have no clue either i mean is it has anything inspiring happened with you lately or yeah so let's go for it um first off huge congrats to flibber and lady aurora two sanctimonious discordians that top four each and flibber was in the finals and got knocked off in the finals so great run in the krakow sealed good luck in the archon also a shout out to shape station I believe he went four and two sporting his sanctimonious play mat. Um, and he, I think he got eliminated by the person that eventually ended up uh, winning the entire thing. So if you're going to get knocked out a day two by anybody, you may as well do it by the champ. So, Hey, I know that feeling very well. <laughs> Congrats to you guys and gals. Um, keep up the good runs into the Archon. It sounds like Lady Aurora's just tearing it up. And all the side events too. I think it's just like, oh, yep, I four-owed a sealed, I four-owed a <laughs> constructed. So yeah, enjoy it. And they even got to play a team event. So that's amazing. And then uh, my quick inspiration for this week is I've been playing a few games here and there when I can squeeze it in. And I'm finding that against AOA decks, um, board clears are very important. Like AOA really is a is a set built on being on board and making bad things happen while they're on board. And a lot of the Amber generation for AOA happens through board and reaping and that kind of thing. If you have board clears, man, you can really neuter an AOA deck. Um, so I was playing Alex to assert, reassert my dominance and my rightful second seat on this podcast. And I was running my tried and true Maven against um, his boss off Cole, which he's something like 30 and 12 or something like that. Some absurd, like 80% win rate. And Maven got there and Maven got there because of the board clears. I really feel like that was the big thing, like watching play other games later that afternoon, just, you know, as he was playing other people and seeing how boss just really takes over the battlefield 
and it's just really hard to remove if you have to like like spot removal is not good like i've double gateway to dis and that was probably like the mvp in the matchup that and just efficient amber generation coda definitely does does have the edge in just being able to play cards for amber and that's something that just kind of gives it a slight edge over aoa so yeah my inspiration is that yeah a lot of aoa decks can just really be shut down with some board clears it feels like people have talked quite a bit about how it's much more of a board heavy set and a lot of those decks need to establish that board to win so uh i think that is probably part of the reason why it's struggling to really get a foothold in top level play because you could still have a super efficient racing deck and and one or two copies of gateway to dis or something is just going to give aoa decks trying to keep up a terrible stumbling block to get past yes all right what's your inspiration jake Okay, my inspiration, uh, I guess before that, I I wanted to just also extend my congrats to the Sanctimonious peeps repping so well over in Krakow. Uh, So congratulations, keep it up. We got to stop recording these right before the last day of the event, but I'm I'm confident that they will represent very well in the Archon side as well. Yes. I think I want to talk about uh, finishing up the uh, Adaptive League uh, so as folks who have listened know, I got paired in the pool of death with <laughs> Nick of Slots, a two-time VT, VT top 16 player, uh, B-Hawk, super skilled player, uh, Strong Link, another just dominant force in the game. And, the, and then uh, Roadrunner and Steven WH were in there as well uh, as, as slightly newer players. Uh, so I went on vacation for a week. Uh, and when I got back, I had two days to jam three complete adaptive matches. So that was against B-Hawk, Strong Link, and Steven WH. So big thanks to those guys for scheduling around my crazy schedule so that I was able to get those games in and complete my uh, Swiss portion of the adaptive league. And I had such a good time playing against these people. I played B-Hawk first. Uh, we came down to game three. Uh, and I was able to just narrowly edge it out, uh, putting myself to two and one. I think what happened there was I started out with a seven chain bid, knowing that his deck had won the first two, knowing that he would really want to play that. So I put the bid in at just what I thought was like the upper echelon of like, you know, if I got it for seven, I'd have a chance to win, but it'd be hard knowing that it'd be tempting for him to go to eight. And he did go to eight. I passed and it was... I was able to get on the board and control the game before he could really get out from under those chains. So I felt pretty good about that. I was a two and one. Uh, then I went up against Strong Link after that, who was at that time four and O, oh, uh, having dispatched all the other strong players in the pool of death. Uh, and once again, it went down to one and one with my deck losing twice. And I did a first bid, similar, same strategy. I, I did a jumped out with a big first bid. I think I went up to eight, thinking if he goes to nine, I'll pass. And he came back at me with a bid of twelve. So at that point, I was thinking like no brainer, I, I'll pass. And I, and I thought I was in a really good shape to win the game. And then at that point, TCO crashed. So we couldn't complete our set until the following day, the last day of of the adaptive league. So I'm, you know, like, okay, this is great. I'm, you know, two and one now. If I beat the, if I beat Strong Link, then I'll be in for sure off tie breaks. Um, and unfortunately, it did not go that way. He had 12 chains on his deck a ton and was able to just 
utterly destroy me. Uh, even worse than in the first time I played with my deck against his and he had zero chains. In that match, I was able to forge two keys, and I think I only forged one in this deciding battle. Uh, so really what happened was he just ended up uh, with really great, efficient hands to start. So even though he was only drawing four cards, he was able to play four cards out and cycle his hand very quickly. I was actually shocked to see he went through his deck just as quickly as I did, despite the chains. So it was impressive showing strong deck. So unfortunately lost that one and then finished up against Steven WH and... I was thinking, you know, I, he was 0-4 going to it, so I thought I had a good chance to win. Uh, but he destroyed me in game one. In game two, I barely won. With It was, a, you know, if I didn't forge that turn, he forged the next and one. So a one-turn game. And the exact same thing in the third round uh, where I won with absolutely nothing to spare. So it was super close. And it's probably some of the most exciting games of the whole thing. So just big shout out to those players. And that was my inspiration and a little bit of recap of my adaptive league performance. So finished three and two, unfortunately missed out on the top cut just on tie breaks uh, to Beehawk. And yeah, but it was a blast and looking forward to the next Sanctimonious League and hope you all sign up for it when that is announced. And good luck to those that are going through on the Singleton play. I will maybe look that up here and maybe we can do a quick shout out at the end if we have time, but we're kind of strapped for time today because we're both busy men now. Uh (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we'll probably do that next week once a few more games have been played through. And then the next league, it sounds like we're going to do the second league as Archon Triad. A lot of people are very up for that because that is a format that hasn't been played as much and it's actually going to show up in a couple of vault tours now with Yeti Gaming taking over those duties. So uh, we're going to do an Archon Triad League for the next one. So stay tuned to the Discord and our Twitter. We will throw out the challenge link when that one gets organized, but I'm going to try to wait for these first two leagues to kind of wrap up and then we'll get that one started. We'll start taking signups and then fire that one off. Cool. And we'll announce it here as well, of course. Of course. All right, you ready for this to jump over into our main topic? Let's do it. All right, let's start. We'll just go alphabetical order because that's the way the spreadsheet is organized that we're looking at. Thank you to whoever created this spreadsheet. I'm not even exactly sure, but... Thank you for putting together this spreadsheet with the uh, names and cards and pictures of the cards, which is really nice. Um, Brobnar, we are just going to get started right with Brobnar. I see, I see one that we should definitely talk about. Okay, so, and this is, you know, it's not a small one, you could say. It's, in fact, the big one. <laughs> so the big one is a Brobnar artifact. It gives you one amber when you play it, so one amber pip on it. And it says, after a creature is played, put a fuse counter on the big one. If there are 10 or more fuse counters on the big one, destroy each creature and artifact. Yep. What do you make of this one? <laughs> it's, I mean, somebody I heard somebody say it's kind of like the uh, Brobnar version of Strange Gizmo, except for it's not when you're uh, you know, forging keys, it's when you're playing creatures out, which is super interesting. So, I mean, if you're behind on board, even if your creatures are smaller, you just want to play as many creatures as possible. But if you're ahead... Then you almost have to start thinking, well, shoot, do I just need to start pitching my own creatures so I don't blow this thing up and ruin my board state? So it really poses some interesting questions when you're playing with it, playing with it and playing against it. Like even when you're playing with it, like, do I actually put this out now? If I'm ahead on board, like, will this actually help me? If 
by playing this? Like, do they have an artifact that I just need to kill so I don't care about losing all my dudes? I don't know. It asks it it asks you a lot of questions and makes the game state very interesting. Right. It's I think this one is going to be a card that's potentially strong, but much more dependent on the deck it's in. I'm trying to think of a good example uh, of a card that we have now that's like either really good or really bad. And I think that the big one will be sort of in that boat. Because if you picture it, if you've got 20 creatures in this card in your deck, it's probably a card you're discarding more often than not as you're just dumping creatures onto the battlefield. But, I mean, if you only have a really low creature count deck that's just, you know, trying to rush and get Amber to forge keys through cards, just having this out there to constantly pressure your opponent, uh, you know, don't overextend too much. Or, you know, you're going to lose your whole board. It strikes me as, like, uh, something that can give you a really big tempo advantage against more heavier creature count decks. So I think it'll be really interesting. I like it there and also for the artifact control. If you're going up against a deck that has a bunch of artifacts that are very impactful, say, like, A Lash of Broken Dreams, Library of the Damned, um, Heart of the Forest, Gauntlet of Command, just any of those artifacts that just, you know, are giving your opponent so much value... Like having an answer in Brobnar to artifacts other than barehanded where it just puts it back in their deck, but actually destroying them all in one go, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then I guess the one thing I want to be clear on is it's after a creature is played, so that's certainly counting your opponent. And it's not like it's at the beginning of your turn like Strange Gizmo. So it is something that does give your opponent equal agency over once it's on the battlefield. Uh, So it's kind of like... I don't know, something like a speed sigil where you have to be careful because it could certainly give your opponent more value than you once it's yeah, out there. Very cool card. I, I like the direction we're going here with some of these cards. Let's talk about another card. I found one now in that in that meantime um, that kind of excites me because it gives Brobnar um, some amber control. And I'm talking about Berserker Slam. This is an action card that comes with a baked-in amber pip. It says, play, deal four damage to a flank creature. If this damage destroys that creature, its controller loses one amber. How good is this? It's a two for one. You kill a creature and you take one of their amber. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) There's so many creatures that just need to die and four is like a great number. Four is going to kill a lot of stuff. It's going to be really hard to keep your flanks stacked with creatures that are, you know, five, five power or higher. Like those creatures aren't as common. So yeah, this thing is going to make your opponents lose a dude and an amber, which is super great. I know one thing you're big on is uh, Amber control in all three houses. Mm -hmm. And I think especially in AOA, it's often pretty hard to find Brobnar Amber control. Yeah, you have Groke. Groke is no joke and burn the stockpile. Right, there there are a couple. It's it's still pretty rare. Most of my Brobnar lists don't really actually have have any Amber control. So it takes a house that's more typically better at like board control and gives it at least one more option to take them off amber uh for a key so i think that's huge particularly in brobnar um and then you also look it doesn't steal so it's not quite maybe on the same tier as as something like nerve blast or relentless whispers but i mean just to be in sort of that same category uh shows you kind of how powerful the effect can be of taking a creature off the board and taking amber away from the opponent so i mean it's in good company with some really format-defining yes, cards. Yes. I mean, creature control, amber control are great. All right, moving on. Dis. 
Um, I'm going to go first. I've actually found one that I'm really excited about. And also, I noticed that Exhum is confirmed coming back. Such a good card. Love that card so much. Let's go. <laughs> Definitely yes. needs that Amber Pip. It's so underpowered. Um, but we're not talking about Exhum. We're talking about the Harbinger of Doom. So two power, three armor creature. He's a demon. And he's got a destroyed ability that says destroy each creature. <laughs> oh, I like that so much. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's interesting for sure. It's um, a gateway on a stick, no chains, no alpha, no omega. It's like the best of the gateways as long as you can, re like if you can remove it yourself, great. But I mean, even just smashing it, I mean, you've got to hit into something that's at least five power or higher to knock him out. He's two power, three armor, so five five damage to get him off the board. But man, that's kind of cool. I really like it. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a really powerful destroyed effect. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll see more self-sacrifice cards in this to really turn this guy on. Um. I think one card I was kind of thinking to compare him to is Brand in some way, where it's like a really powerful effect, but it's not always easy to reap the reward for that right away or like right when you want to. Um, though I will say it's quite a bit easier than that because, of course, Brand is skirmish. And most of the time, when you really want to clear your opponent's threats off the board, they probably have something big enough to slam into. But having said that, if, if, you know, their board is hunting witches and witch of the eyes and that's what you got or dusk witch or whatever. And that's the thing that's really locking you down. Uh, then Harbinger doom might just be too slow of an answer. Yeah, could be, or you could have a scullion to follow it up. Right, exactly. So yeah, it'll be interesting as we get more spoilers, <laughs> as more is revealed to see, uh, what kind of utility we get, uh, because, yeah. of course, you know, that's something that's very on theme for Dis. So I would be surprised if we don't have some more self-sacrifice effects. What they are, you know, that'll be exciting to find out. Yep. All right. Your turn. Cool. Uh, let's just go right down to Rot Grub. Uh, so this is a one-power creature. It's in the preview we have. It's covered up, so we don't know if it has armor or not. But I would assume not. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it. It's like a little worm. So... Rotgrub, it's a beast. One power has the play effect. Your opponent loses one amber, and it has reap archive Rotgrub. Mm. <laughs> it just eats you away a little bit at a time. It's so mean. I, I think this guy's really good. It, it, like it's such an annoying thing because yeah, like you kind of have to. I don't know. Like it'll be interesting to see. Like I don't know. Like I can see just not caring. Like because it's. You've got a, how many times? I mean, we look at the Crucible Tracker. Thank you, Strong Link, Strong Link, aka Grant Titus, for that amazing tool. But you look at that in the end of games, like most games, like you're calling a house maybe four to five times during the game. And so when you think about it that way, you play him one time. If he lives, if he lives, the second time you call that house is when you archive him, and then the third time you call that house. I mean, yeah, he has the the ability if you have like a really strong dis house that maybe you can use him more often than not. But uh, I don't know. It's just maybe it's too long with the archive. I guess what you're saying, but I'll offer a counterpoint. So how good is Bumpsy as a card? It's pretty good, but it's also... Yeah. I, th I feel like it's pretty good, and I don't think it's because it has five power attached to it. Like I think just the effect of unconditional take one amber away from your opponent is a really strong ability in and of itself. Uh, yeah. And I it, mean, you can... You can 
also think about having multiples of this gonna, guy. I was going to say that it is a common, so you could see decks with two and three of them, and that would be pretty gross. When you think about the types of, uh, thanks to uh, Bouncing Teth Quark for giving us this framework, but when you think of like Main House, Support House, and Burst House, I kind of feel like this card fits in with any of them. Because if you have, you know, if you're, this is your main house, this guy's perfect, right? Because it's something you want to be calling this a lot. You're going to get value off this over and over, repeatable value. Uh, so I think he's probably strongest there. But I mean, in your support house, when you talk about having amber control in all three houses, this is another piece of amber control. So it can help you out in that way. Uh, it's never bad just to drop it down and make your opponent lose one. And then same thing for burst, right? It's just, it's great ability in multiples. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think to me, this seems like great utility. I think it's a super strong, I mean, it's just awesome at common too. Yep. Like, no. I like it. No, in multiples. Yeah, definitely very good. Um, yeah. I think Bumpsy is also better because of War Drummer being able to do it twice in a turn. For sure. Sweet. That's a great point. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking through these Logos cards, and I just want to do them all. All right, so let's move on to Logos. Logos, I guess I'll stay I'll stay on point with my artifact control in each house. So, yeah, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. We'll just do it. E-D-A-I, Eddie, 4x4. Uh, this is a AI scientist creature. He's three power, no armor. Play, archive a card. Um, your opponent's keys cost plus one for each card in your archive. Yeah, so let's go <laughs> the logos version of resonator a little bit i mean logos was all about archiving in aoa like there's so much archiving with titan librarians and i'm not sure how many of those are all coming back but looking through god they have so many good cards there's so many good cards spoiled for logos that they must have played one on stream because there's a lot of sleeved versions of logos cards out here um yeah man that seems really good like logos has just put so many things in archives and that is just a great way to drop a body when you need it to just bump that amber cost up to either prevent the forge or just make your opponent pay eight. So say they go to eight, um, you drop that guy out with one other card in your archives, all of a sudden you bump the cost up to eight and they have to forge and spend all of their amber to get that key instead of just six of it. So yeah, it's a very, very strong effect. I really like it. And archiving a card's always good. <laughs> I think like if, if this card was just three power creature that said play archive a card like i'd still think that was a oh, strong still card. great yeah lab work is great right yeah so i mean getting a body getting to archive that's already huge but the fact that like this could easily make your opponent's keys cost in the range of four to six more amber i mean that's certainly not out of the question at least in the uh, logos houses we've seen thus far especially in aoa uh yeah so i think like just always great utility, but potentially just game winning if you can pop it down next to a taunt thing or whatever else to make it a little bit harder to get at. Definitely. All right, let's. I think this is going to be this is an important one to talk about. Maybe not the most exciting from a pure like wow, that's crazy. Thing. I, I don't know. It is pretty exciting. What is it? <laughs> it is Discombobulator. This is an upgrade. Not always the best type of card. This one gives you one amber, and the creature gains. Your amber cannot be stolen. Nice. 
No, that's really good. I mean, you set up that turn where you put yourself into check with maybe this card and a few other cards, and you throw this on one of your big dudes, so if they had, like, been crafting the Shadow's turn to shut you down or whatever they wanted to do to try to shut you down from forging that last key or just whatever key you're on, all of a sudden you slap that down and they have to answer that creature first before they can do it, that can potentially just throw a big old wrench in their plans. People have sort of been clamoring for more ways to deal with stealing. I mean, obviously, thus far in the existence of this game, Shadows has been <laughs> the most dominant house and nothing else comes close. Yep, um, it's good. So this this seems, you know, to be targeted right at that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think to me that like the card effect it's simple it's an upgrade um it makes turns one of your creatures into a a gate or is it vault keeper yeah vault keeper yep yes turns one of your creatures into a vault keeper but i think the reason i think it's so exciting is it sort of shows that of course ffg is paying attention and, and looking at the game they're trying to make this a strong competitive game and so far it certainly seems to have those legs and this shows that they're looking at the meta uh, seeing what's strong, seeing what's working, and, and printing answers. So it gives me hope that maybe one day we'll live in a world in which Keyforge Vault Tours are all houses are equally represented, or at least more so than we have now. So I think it's exciting as a card and also exciting for sort of the future of the game. Saurians are the next house up. And I think I'm going to stick with the act- dinosaurs. <laughs> Roar. <laughs> so the axiom of Grisk we have is an action card. It says play, ward a creature, destroy each creature with no amber on it, gain two chains. So that's pretty sweet. So the ward essentially will make sure that at least one of your creatures survives. If you have no creatures out, you're going to have to ward one of your opponent's creatures. So probably don't play it if you have zero creatures out. But as long as you can drop one creature, play this thing, um, most likely you're going to board clear because captured amber isn't super, super common right now. Like it happens. It might be more common with exalt running around. So maybe this will take a few steps back in how powerful I think it might be. And the gaining two chains is kind of brutal. But at the same time, if you can just do a big old one-sided board wipe where if you're, you've played a bunch of Saurians and captured, exalted, excuse me, not captured, exalted a bunch of your Saurians, and then you play this to just wipe the entire other side of the board, that's uh, that's going to be that's gonna feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look at it compared to the board wipes we have now. Gateway of Dis just destroys all creatures, and it gives you three chains. This one has the potential to be a one-sided board clear if you have a bunch of Saurians that already have Exalted or have Amber on them for some other reason, not to mention the one you're warding right now. So we have a potential for a one-sided board clear and only two chains. That seems a lot better. And Gateway of Dis is a fantastic mm-hmm. card. So I I agree it kind of depends on uh, how much captured Amber we see in the game. But, I mean, take a look at the Coda decks that are dominating vault tours now you don't see them doing too much capturing by and large and then even if you have a creature that doesn't have a captured amber that ward on that creature will just sac it'll you'll pop your ward right away um but that creature will then live through it so that's that's the way ward's yeah. gonna work there so you can at least protect one of your creatures if you have no other creatures so you're at least keeping your best creature around and saying this guy lives everybody else dies i think super super strong card with the potential to really make the right Saurian loadouts really viable competitively. No, and you see a lot of Exalt in a lot of these uh, Saurian cards, so there's probably going to be a few of your dudes running around with Amber on them. So Yeah, Exalt and Ward. Uh, so you could save them either way. Truth. Yeah. All right, which one do you see out here that 
makes you happy. All right, I want to go with another card that I think is going to be really strong. I don't know if there's that much to say about it, but I think this is going to be something that's really going to be a card that you're going to want to see in your starting uh, loadouts. Um, and it really shows that the power and the synergy that some of these new mechanics can have. And that's Chant of Hubris. This is just a simple action. It has one amber pip and it says, move one amber from a creature to another creature. Yep. Obviously, we've just been talking about Surians and their exalted abilities. So you exalt one of your dudes to do something more powerful. And that's a bad thing, right? Because you just grabbed an amber pip or you grabbed an amber from the common pile and put it on your dude and said, hey, opponent come take this amber that I just generated for you. Well, Chant of Hubris says, hey, I just did that. I just exalted, put some amber on my dude, but now I'm going to play this Chant of Hubris and just give it to you so that I can smash your dude in the face and take this amber back for myself. Yeah, so I think that would be the most common way to use this, uh, which would be if you're calling Saurian House, hopefully you already have a creature on the board and you can just use this put your exalted amber on their creature, kill it that turn, and it's gaining you two amber that way. Uh, and it's not quite the same as a steal, uh, but it's close, right? Because it's taking an amber that was going to be available for your opponent to capture at some point, likely would have captured at some point in the game, and it's giving it to you. So that's in some ways close to a steal, but you know, just a cut below that. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it's also exciting because, I mean... You could just move it. Maybe your opponent doesn't have anything you can kill. You can move an amber from an exalted creature onto something that is less relevant, right? Something that, you know, your opponent doesn't want to kill as bad because it's not as high a priority threat or something that's stronger, more difficult to kill. So there's a ton of utility there. And then we've just seen uh, in Axiom of Grisk that there may be, that there's at least one way that Slysarians can benefit from having amber on their creatures. And potentially there's more, uh, throughout the cards that'll be announced and spoiled to come or even in this list i've only taken a glance at it uh, so you could also see even a situation in which your opponent has captured amber and rather than trying to kill it you're putting it on your creature and then playing axiom of grisk uh, for a one-sided board wipe so i just like how much utility that offers uh, for this house and i think it's it's going to be really exciting and a fun one to play with sweet shadows all right this one's not the most exciting card or the most fancy card but i think it's like one of those cards that's really needed in the game and it is hawk this is a action card that comes with an amber pip and it says play destroy an artifact if you do gain one amber and it is at common common guys we're actually gonna have some artifact control coming let's go Artifacts have been kind like not untouchable, but man, it's really hard to find like a good deck that also has artifact control. And now seeing that Shadows is gonna have one at common that not only destroys an artifact, but it gains you an amber when it does, and it doesn't say enemy artifacts. So like even if you have an artifact, like say a hallowed well, you're not gonna have a hallowed shield anymore. Sad days. Uh, <laughs> some other hideaway hole. So you play your hideaway hole. You get the amber for it, and then you destroy your hideaway hole with this and gain two more amber, and that's a three amber gain right there. Let's go. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I think it's a really good card in general. I mean, it's always going to be an amber at worst. It's kind of funny, though, because I feel like the decks hurt worse by this are, are the AOA decks that are really reliant upon Proclamation and Grunt Buggy. <laughs> and, of course, like those decks haven't as of yet really performed that well at any vault tour 
uh, type level of play. One proclamation, I think it was proclamation like double grunt buggy, the top 16. Okay, so we got one top 16, but in yeah. general, uh, it seems like this hurts those decks the worst. Of course, Nepenthe Seed is a huge card in many uh, Coda decks as well. So I do think it's exciting, and it is frustrating as a player uh, when you like go up against a strong artifact deck, like a proclamation deck, and you just don't have any answer to it. And you just kind of lose the game on the spot in some cases. So I do like having more answers. It'd be great if all decks or most decks at least had one way to deal with artifacts. Uh, or Heart of the Forest as well is another huge one that's just like, okay, you've played Heart of the Forest and now I literally can't beat you in some cases. Sounds good. Your turn. What do you got? What do you like? Um, I like Trust No One. I was hoping you'd do this one because this was the one I really kind of wanted to do. So trust no one. It is an action and has the ability play. Steal one amber. If there are no friendly creatures in play, instead steal one amber for each house represented among enemy creatures to a maximum of three. Hey, oh, so a little uh, experimental therapy proof there. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess experimental therapy is nine houses now once this set. Yeah, I guess it would be steal nine. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Free markets for days. Let's go. Yeah, so you're always stealing one amber. So you're always going to steal an amber, which is great. Like that's a two two gain, two net gain there. Taking one away and gaining one for yourself. So awesome right there. And if you are in the unfortunate situation that you have no friendly creatures in play, even better. Yeah, it's good. It's a nice little catch-up mechanic there. Um, potentially, if you're behind on board, this gives you big outs. And then, I mean, it's not that hard uh, to... You know, if you only have one or two creatures, maybe you sacrifice them into your opponent uh, for a big, huge steal. But I mean, Swindle is steal three, and that has Alpha and Omega. I mean, this is potentially steal three with no drawbacks. It probably won't be that often. Certainly won't be that all the time. But steal one, in its own right, as you said, Dan, is great. You know, we would be happy to play a card that just said steal one and steal one with upside. Yep. Looks like Shadows is going to have tools yet again. Yay, tools. All right, Star Alliance, the one that I'm most looking forward to. And I, I was going to say Z, 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 Z. No, I'm just kidding. And I'm super stoked for it. So I'm going to do Calm Officer Kirby. Three powers. We're going to do a creature here. He's a human. He has a play, fight, and reap ability. Oh, yeah, all the power. You may play a non-Star Alliance artifact, upgrade, or action card this turn. So sweet. You can't play creatures, but you can play pretty much anything but a creature that's not, you know, out of house. And that's a play effect. That's a play effect. He's a helper bot with a three body that could actually repeat and do it again. You need to break that elusive on your opposing creature? Yeah, fight him in there. Break that elusive. Play another card that's not of the house that you just called. Seems good. The more I see Star Alliance cards, the more I just... I am like, true. There, yeah. There's like a little thought in the back of my head that's just like, man, Star Alliance might be really busted. Uh, and as two, I... Yeah, if they have yeah. two houses surrounding them that are just like good, like good to above good like it's gonna be nuts like just the way you can play cards like you're just playing all the cards cycling through your deck so fast playing the cards not just like discarding the cards you're just playing all the cards yeah it's hard to it's hard to like go out on a limb and say this will be like the best house yet because of course like 
Coda Shadows like is the undisputed champ until somebody comes up and takes that crown. But like so many of these cards just seem so bonkers based on what I know about the game. And this is another one that's just like, wow, that's crazy. Um, and just from, I mean, my personal observation is in general, when I'm playing helper bot or phase shift, it seems like I'm more often than not like looking to use a powerful action. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like the vast majority of the time, that's how you get maximum value out of that rather than just dropping an out of house creature. Um, so, I mean, it is certainly a drawback. There are times of course that that would be the best play or, or the only play, but I, I feel like that's a small drawback for the fact they're getting two more power and a repeatable effect. Yep. All right. Which one are you going for? Who are you pledging your allegiance to on this one? I'm, I'm looking for it now, but it's my, it's my new favorite card. Navigator Elite. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Navigator Alley. Probably Navigator Ollie. Okay. So Navigator Ollie, three power human creature with the play fight reap ability. Look at the top three cards of your deck. Put them back in any order. Mm. No, <laughs> this is not Igor, but it's pretty dang sweet. Oh man, ordering that, because like you're gonna know how many cards you're gonna draw next turn. If you're only like if you're already drawing three cards, yeah, it's not that great. Um but if you're only drawing like two cards or you're like really digging for that one card at that end game and you're only drawing one card, like being able to play this guy and only able to draw one card, but able to see three cards to see what you need to draw. So good. And probably, I mean, yeah, I just feel like you are probably actually playing a lot of cards with this, this house. So maybe, maybe his effect isn't as good since you're going to be probably drawing three or more anyways. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I think he's great. I still think it's really good. Just, yeah, being able to order your draw is so good. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the most one of the most devastating things that can happen to you in a game of Keyforge is when you get stuck into that uh two 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 hand that you just can't seem to break out of. Whereas every time you pick one house, you draw right back into it. And you pick you know, maybe pick that house again, draw into it again. Right? There are strategies to uh reduce the chance or how, how long you're stuck playing only two cards a turn. But Navigator Alley just busts you out of that right away. Yep. So, I mean, I think just that's sort of like, we haven't really seen any type of reordering like this before. Um, but it's, I think, you know, based on the mechanics of this game, it's more powerful maybe than it seems at first glance. And then people who have played other trading card games before remember you know sensei's divining top and magic the gathering a card that's just uh, has a very similar effect and is i think banned in many formats now um, because just giving you that consistency is so important and it's really hard to overstate the effect that could have on the game if left to run rampant yep all right and last but not least maybe least i don't know they were kind of least we have four options in untamed right now i will choose at least giant nobil uh, five power creature, beast, no armor. After a player chooses an active house, that player destroys an artifact of that house. Two-sided artifact removal. More artifact removal. This one's at rare, though, so it won't be as prevalent, but super cool. Like, you play that out every time you, like, so say your opponent has Logos and a memory chip. If they call Logos, they must destroy that memory chip. How cool is that? Like, you just kind of, like, almost lock people, pseudo-lock people out of houses if they really want to protect their artifacts until they can remove the giant knob bill. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, it's another one that's 
heavily dependent on the other cards in the deck. Like, of course, this card's going to be really underwhelming if you have a lot of artifacts in your deck. Um, but when we evaluate these cards, at least I tend to think of it in its best case scenario of like, you know, can this card sort of compete against some of the better cards um, that we've seen in Archon? And I think, you know, having this in a deck that has one or zero artifacts is just going to be tremendously powerful. I mean, worst case you get a five power creature, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Um, but best case, it, it, you know, it can be one of those cards that just really, you know, for some decks, it might make, make be something that's like you need forces your opponent to answer it right away. Um, and even then it might be too late before it's done some damage, knocking out one artifact. And anytime you're forcing your opponent to answer something that has five power, that's no guarantee they'll be able to, come up with that answer all right last card jake and then i gotta run cool all right let's do unnatural selection unnatural selection is an untamed action it has one amber pip and it has the ability play choose three friendly creatures and three enemy creatures destroy each other creature i mean the boards need to be big which we've seen in way boards do get big so yeah, but then in Coda, the boards aren't as big. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this where this card lands. It really feels like the newer sets have been promoting more on-board play, being on-board, sticking to the boards. So in a world of big boards, this thing is pretty sweet because you can choose your three best creatures versus their three worst creatures and then, you know, destroy everything else so that you're at an advantage there. Or, you know, if you have no creatures out, well, that doesn't really work. Well, if you have no creatures and they have a bunch of creatures, then at least you can get rid of the really troublesome ones i kind of going back and forth now on whether i think this card's good or not in terms of like removal this card is terrible because in so many cases it's just not going to be able to remove anything at all yeah or maybe you can get rid of one creature or something um but it kind of reminds me in some ways of uh standardized testing where it's it's not always good removal because it's not always getting rid of what you want but in some cases it can be just an enormous blowout and I mean, if you play this into a board where you and your opponent both have six creatures or something, and you're able to pick three creatures of the same house to keep, and you're leaving them with one creature in each house, like even though you both have three, you you are hugely advantaged in that situation. Best case is you only have three creatures out and they have more than three, because then you're not losing any. Right, that's even better. So yeah, I mean, it strikes me as a card that, while not always going to do what you want... Um, it has huge blowout potential, and those are cards I like to have in my deck, especially when you're guaranteed an Amber Pip off it. So I guess I lean towards pretty good on this one. Yeah, it might be one of those cards, too, that's really good and sealed, where there's less removal, less control over what you're doing. So boards tend to get bigger and more out of control, so something like that can be really nice. But yeah, I'm going to run away. Jake's going to have to handle the uh, closing remarks here because I have to get back to real life. So great to be back, everybody. Uh, baby boy and mama are doing great baby sisters loving baby brother so all is good in the world and family of dan thanks dan that's it for another episode of sanctimonious this is jake as always and you can find me online on twitter at j-a-k-e-f-r-y-d of course you know i've been joined by dan johnson you can find him at d-a-n-i-s-s-o-m-e-1 that's dan is someone Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you to our amazing Patreon supporters. I have a new microphone on the way. 
Uh, thanks so much to your generous donation. So hopefully that'll up the audio quality just a little bit. I also want to thank all the amazing folks who support us and play with us on our Discord, the Sanctimonious Discord. If you're interested in joining that, you can find the link in the show notes below and get in there and get some great games and talk about all the latest Worlds Collide cards. It's all of you that make us love doing this week in and week out. So without further ado, uh, Dan has left me with the duty to sign off. So get out there, play some Key Forge, and forge Forge those those keys. keys.